0: You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin, for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Brady Leavitt, like any other Canadian kid, his dream was to play in the National Hockey League. Success came easily to Leopold as he began to turn heads in the junior League. A late pass for Long. He's got Leopold with him. Long walks in. Sanders. GOOOOOOOOOOOOOOOOOOOH! Leopold's right hand shot rotates to the 10 0 Long. Back to Leopold. boy, Brady! And here we go, right off the bat, a fight ensues. And it's Leopold and Kerr, and they're both getting in shots. Now, Lealold throwing right after right and just connecting like crazy. Once I met heroin, I mean, it was just... That became my new passion. What's the reason that young people who are athletes get addicted to heroin? They injure themselves, and they're more likely to be prescribed an opioid. And once addicted, many are going to switch over to heroin because it's much more cost-effective. And the effects that they produce in the brain are indistinguishable. When we talk about painkillers, we're essentially talking about heroin points. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Hero in the Road to Recovery. This is Brady Liebold coming at you guys live. If you're listening on the Locker Room app, this, of course, is episode number 49. One away, one away from episode 50. That one's gonna feature my dad, Brian. And holy shit, hang on for that one. Uh, if you think my story is uh, is one for the books, he's got one uh, just as good. Uh, you know, I, I can imagine. Uh, having to watch uh, one of my kids go through what I went through and and just uh, the helpless feelings uh, you know and and then you know having to see me and you know essentially going and seeing me from uh, go from you know the brink of the NHL playing major junior hockey uh, broken the American Hockey League uh, and uh, a few years later there I was severely addicted to drugs uh, Shortly thereafter, homeless on the streets of Vancouver, Hastings, which is widely regarded as is the worst 10 block radius in North America. If you're not familiar with it, uh, familiarize yourself with Hastings Street in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. There is no other place like it. I was homeless down there for eight months uh, between there and a place called Surrey, uh, which is arguably worse than Vancouver. Uh, Worse than Hastings it's basically like a mini Hastings uh, a lot more violent Uh, It was scarier to be honest. Uh, I actually enjoyed being on Hastings more than I enjoyed being in Surrey But there was uh, several times multiple days. My dad was combing the streets, uh, you know You know combing through the other thousands of homeless people and if you think I'm exaggerating. I'm not Uh, Check it out Hastings Street, Vancouver Uh, Dead bodies on the street people doing drugs on the street uh violence on the street it's insane and uh, my dad was down there looking for me and and in some cases turning over um overdosed bodies lifeless bodies Uh, and my dad is a a retired uh, north vancouver district firefighter uh and uh you know uh, we haven't talked too much about it he's coming on the podcast tomorrow uh and um i mean god uh, it's uh, it's gonna be fun. Uh, it's gonna be interesting for sure uh, but we could talk all about that um, tomorrow with him um, and we'll leave, we'll leave some of it uh, we'll leave some of it for that um, but guys if you're listening and you're not listening live right now, uh, hopefully you're listening on the hockey podcast network. you guys could check them out anywhere on social media at hockey podnet and their website www.thehockeypodcastnetwork.com Guys if you're a hockey fan NHL fan doesn't matter what team you cheer for we have a podcast for you Uh, one for every single NHL team and on top of that we have uh, original content such as Hockey to Heroin Road to Recovery we also have Tales with TR that's Terry Ryan's podcast such a great listen he was also a guest on my show Uh, what else we got we got the 4th Line Voice uh, House of Hockey, Ice Analytics, and uh, like I've mentioned a few weeks ago, but I haven't talked about it uh, lately, we are close uh, to launching a new show on the network, uh, and it's going to feature a former professional hockey player as well and a good old BC boy just like myself as well. So look for that, and he's he's going to be a, a future guest. Uh, his name is Brad Lieb. Uh, I'm going to drop it right now. He's a future guest coming on my show. Uh, check him out uh, on Instagram. I think it's at Bradley. I'll post a link. Uh, but when he drops his show, guys, we want to support it. Uh, and we want to support the Hockey Podcast Network, of course. And um, they just got some big news. Uh, they told me yesterday. Uh, they got full, fe- full funding uh, from the network. Um, really exciting. Uh, they're about to take things to the next level. And uh, that's, that's great news for all of us involved. Um, and, and i'm just so so grateful uh that uh that they've you know brought me on after episode 10 uh you know they brought me onto the network uh, and uh, since then it's just been such a great relationship uh, dylan and isha the two main guys at the hockey podcast network thank you guys uh your tireless work is really starting to pay off it's really starting to pay off Um, And good for you guys. Uh, I'm proud of you guys. And I'm honored to be on the Hockey Podcast Network, guys. So wherever you're listening, um, subscribe, please, to the Hockey Podcast Network. And I'll quickly say, uh, there are two feeds. If you search for the Hockey Heroin Road to Recovery feeds, you're going to come across two feeds. Um, You're going to come across uh, one with a a cartoony-like picture. And then you're going to come across another one with a couple of hockey sticks and a syringe. Uh, Essentially, they're both the same podcast. Uh, but one is the Hockey Podcast Network feed and one is my f- personal feed. Uh, so the new episodes are uploaded to the Hockey Podcast Network 24 hours before they're uploaded onto my personal feed. Uh, however, the Hockey Podcast Network feed only starts at episode 10. Uh, so it's kind. Of, we're working on getting it onto one feed. Um, so I apologize for that, but just quickly wanted to explain that to all of you guys. Let me take a quick sip of tea. My throat is closing up as it often does. And I don't have a guest to uh, to, to talk today. Well, I need to do that. Um, guys, I am not recording in the Matthew Leszczynski Memorial Studio. Uh, I'm in the makeshift Matthew Leszczynski Memorial Studio. And if you're an avid listener of Hockey to Heroin and Road to Recovery, you know who Matthew Lazinski is. And if you have not heard the story of Matthew Lazinski, guess what, I'm gonna tell you right now. And if you start listening to my podcast, you're gonna get used to hearing this because I'm gonna say it every single podcast because this is why I do everything, okay? Um, You're gonna get to know a lot about me uh, in episode 49. There is no guest today. Uh, I'm gonna open up. I'm gonna share some things that I haven't shared before. Uh, not too ma- not with too many people. Uh, some maybe with uh, not with <laughs> to anyone at all. In some cases, who knows what's gonna happen today? Um, but um, you know, you, my hockey my hockey podcast is called Hockey to Heroin. It, hockey and heroin don't really go together. Um, at least you know people don't think so. I certainly didn't think so, but. Um, since digging myself out of the hell that I was in, okay? Um, And I'm gonna get into that, Uh, but so many people have reached out, uh, many former players, current players, coaches, parents, uh, fans even, uh, and it's been wonderful. But at the same time, it's been extremely, extremely troubling uh, because Uh, In many of those cases, I'm hearing stories of men and women who are no longer with us, uh, that were a part of the hockey community, uh, due to uh, things like suicide and overdose. Uh, And that is what happened to Matthew Lazinski. Matthew Lazinski was born in the same year as myself in 1987. Uh, I'm originally from Port Coquitlam, which is out west near Vancouver right now I'm living in Ontario in Muskoka in Utterson that's where I'm recording right now Uh, I'm so grateful to to just to be alive and and so lucky to live here and I am gonna touch on that as I get going Um, but now that I'm out in Ontario you know and and when I started this podcast uh, I you know it was a shot in the dark it was a real shot in the dark I I had no sense of direction not only did I have no sense of direction with the podcast I had absolutely no sense of direction uh, with my life. Uh, I had just recently uh, been released from jail for the fourth or fifth or sixth time. Uh, you know, at this time, I, I've spent somewhere around three and a half years of my life behind bars. Um, and that's certainly a place that I never would have thought that I would have ended up in a million years. And, Uh, However, I did, and uh, again, I thought I was alone. I thought uh, in the hockey community, uh, there's just, you know, if there was anyone else that had been to jail, played professional hockey or junior hockey that had been to jail, uh, maybe there was one, Um, but I I was like, there's just no way. There's no way uh, people are going to, uh, people are going to, accept me uh and give me any sort of uh respect back and rightfully so um i was a i was living a a very high risk uh terrible life uh, that i was you know walking all over people taking advantage of people um committing crimes Uh, it didn't matter anything to to feed my addiction and uh well, I was doing that out west. A guy by the name of Matthew Lazinski was running a similar path uh, out here in Ontario. He was drafted actually in the second round uh, of the OHL priority selection draft uh, by the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, and he played with them for two seasons before running into some off-ice troubles. Uh, and then basically what happened, uh, the, the Sioux uh, kind of got rid of him and no team wanted to, to take him on after that in the OHL uh, and it's not my business to, to share what happened uh, today. Um, that is uh, not my story to tell um, in detail. And, and again, I don't have all the, f- the, the fine details. So that's another reason why I won't touch on it. However, uh, basically he was left with no support. And uh, he, he struggled with mental health and addiction um, from then on. And uh, yeah, we lost Matthew Lazinski in 2017. Um, and. Uh, I never met him, Uh, but like I said, uh, I had no direction with my podcast, Uh, didn't know what the hell I was doing, Um, but when I started the podcast, I was like, how am I going to get this out there? Like, how am I ever going to get people to to listen to me talk? How are are people going to know that uh, that I'm even doing this? Uh, I had been off social media. I mean, that's not entirely true. Uh, I guess my Twitter page was up since 2012 but I hadn't been on it in years and years and years Uh, and then I was locked out of my personal Facebook page which I still am um, so I wasn't using that so and then the only other Facebook account I had was a fake Facebook account under a fake name uh, so that I could you know do my things in the underworld and you know no pictures of me no nothing uh, pay-as-you-go phones uh, no bank accounts um. Just, yeah, it was it was crazy, and um, so when I I recorded the first podcast, I was like, man, I got to get back on Facebook. I was like, I have to, like, that's you know. So I, I went on Facebook, and, and Facebook kind of has a, a creepy, scary algorithm when I think about it, because uh, you know I started adding, you know, originally I started adding some guys I like just added anyone I could think of, and it was kind of crazy. I can't remember off the top of my head who really the first people I added were. Uh, But it was crazy like people that I wouldn't you wouldn't typically think like wasn't like my closest friends Or it was just random people that were coming to my mind and and what I didn't realize uh, Is that everything was happening exactly the way that it was supposed to be happening? and uh, you know I started the algorithm started to pick up that I was adding people with you know, connections to hockey and so basically, you know, it's like the list of like ad friends comes up, it's like ad friend, add friend, people you may know, people you may know, you know what I mean? Suggested friends, whatever. And uh it's like pretty much every single picture started to be hockey related. Somebody playing hockey or whatever. Uh so it was easy. It was like add, add, ad, add, ad, add, ad, add, 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 <laughs> add, add and pretty soon I, I got, you know, five thousand Facebook friends and uh I think I just got to 5,000 Facebook friends, but, you know, in the beginning, uh, I, (laughs) yeah, I, um, it was just, uh, it was, it was wild. Uh, I I didn't, uh, I didn't at first, I didn't even send it to the people that I knew because I was like, "Eh, I don't know how people are going to think. Let's see. So it was sending the link to the first episode. Uh, Which is sounds terrible, by the way, when I go back and listen to it. Uh, But uh, (laughs) I started sending it to people. And one of those people was Matt Thompson. And if you listen to my podcast, uh, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry because you know this story. But, you know, I'm going to keep telling it because it's just so important to me and everything that I do. And uh, so Matt Thompson, another guy I didn't know, he messaged me and... uh, it, you know, he just, he went into great detail and he explained the story of Matthew zinski with me and uh, that he, him and they were best friends and uh, that, you know, how much he missed him and uh, that he would do anything to get him back and uh, you know, since that day Matt and I have become like best friends. <laughs> if you know my story, I just got back from his house and like I never met him before this so you know, and then he was like, man, you gotta be you're so lucky that you're here like you know and I think he wanted to connect with me too because he feels like he's getting a piece of Matthew Lazinski back from me and he he said that to me so many times and um, it's it's been such an incredible journey so it was so tragic to hear about Matthew Lazinski but in that moment I was like wow I was like how the hell after the amount of times that you overdose Brady and I'm gonna talk about that as things go on today uh why why are you still here and and he's not and you know matt and i continue to talk as the days pass and and i started to keep recording podcasts and and i decided that you know i there's this old chicken coop on the on the property here where i live at, at my girlfriend taylor's parents house and um it's full of junk and and everything rundown was like literally it was full of chickens and chicken shit for the longest time. And, um, the kids were, were pretty loud and and stuff. So I was like, man, I need, I need a quiet area. So that, that was what I wanted to do. And then, uh, you know, I started talking to Matt Thompson more and I was like, man, I was like, this is going to be the Matthew Lazinski Memorial studio. This is not just a chicken coop. This is, You know this is an opportunity for for me to to remember a guy that i never met uh but him and i were the same age and you know similar very similar stories as far as the hockey goes and the addiction um, i was like you know i had never heard the story of matthew wazinski and then from there I started hearing more stories and it was like why why didn't i know this story you know what i mean like how can something like this happen and it just go under the like swept under the rug it's so i was like you know one matthew lazinski died in, in such a tragic way overdosing and I died over ten times. I was lucky that I was Narcan every single time, and uh, you know, one of those times, you know, if somebody's not there, the Narcan's not there, uh, I'm not here, and uh, so I was like, Matt and I were like, hey, and Thompson, we're like, hey, yeah, he's like, I'm gonna help you with the studio, and he sent me some money as a donation. Uh, To get some supplies to the studio because I was like if we're gonna do this We're gonna do the studio like we got to do this, right? You know what I mean? And so he sent me some money and uh, (laughs) And I started going at it and then all of a sudden he came down like a week later and now uh, It should it should be done by now, but you know, we're I'm gonna get it done I'm getting it done in the next 10 days uh, and another guy, another friend of Matt's is coming to spray fro- foam it. And another friend of Matt is coming up to do the drywall. I'm going to talk about that in a later episode. It's just so awesome. It's so amazing. It's the Matthew Lazinski Memorial Studio. I have a plaque made. A lot of people know this. Uh, I was able to give it to Matt. It just Matt has brought me out of retirement. He owns a senior men's team. He bought me all new hockey gear. I just went up to his house for the first time. He's been here a couple times and we'll back up to his house, playing with him this year. I haven't played hockey in eight years, I and mean, he brought me back out on the ice for the first time in full equipment in eight years just last week. And for that, I will ever. For that, I will just. There's no words. Matt Thompson's essentially helped save my life and other people too, of course. Taylor and and, and there's, you know, things that I've done, uh, but you know what Matt Thompson has done for me uh, by sharing the story of Matthew Lozinski and, and just you know, by by helping me and supporting me and what I'm doing and then uh, by, uh, by you know, us honoring Lazinski, it's been incredible. Uh, it's been, it's been so amazing. And uh, on top of that, we've been able to, I've shared this lots is, we've been, I've been able to connect with Matthew Lazinski's family. And uh, it's just, you know, as hard as that is, and uh, you know, I think maybe they were a little bit uh, apprehensive at first. Uh, but I hope now that they could see that what we're doing is like truly genuine. And the reason why I'm doing this is I just want Matthew Lisinski and so does Matt Thompson, we want him remembered the way that he should be remembered, you know? Uh, he was going through a really, really, really tough time. And, uh, man, I, I know. I, I was there. And I don't know, I, I say this, I wish I knew. But I gotta stop, I gotta just stop wondering, I guess. And it just keep going and just keep you know spreading the message that there is hope and that that is really what we're doing so it started with the studio the Matthew Zinski Memorial Studio and then from there I started hearing more stories of people that passed away and the one that really hit me was Mitch Fadden who was a line mate of mine and uh, the American Hockey League like professional played against him in major junior hockey he was drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning um, and him and i had used drugs together while we played actually there's a story on sportsnet.ca a lot of people know about this and um it's not a big deal it's not like he was like bad or, like whatever there's a lot of people do that in the hockey community most guys that play professional hockey have done coke it's just the way it is um, i would say like honestly like 75 percent or higher would be my guess Uh, so it's not like, I'm like, I don't want to sit here and and I'm trying to make Mitch look bad. Like a lot of us did. I'm just saying like we did. And so like, I had heard that he was doing better. Uh, and I went to go reach, I was messaging him on Facebook. I wanted to get him on the podcast. I was messaging him and messaging him and messaging him. And, uh, all of a sudden I get a message and it was like some guy that I hadn't met now. Now he's a friend of mine, Justin Bryan, who's my life coach actually. And he, he goes, you need to call me. And I call him. And he goes, "Hey, bro." He's like, "Mitch Patton passed away in 2017." And I said, "No fucking way!" Like, how? And he's like, "Overdose, accidental overdose." And uh, you know, the story that I heard was that it's, whatever it was was laced with fentanyl, and and that was it. And and uh, that one, like, totally fucked me up. Excuse my French, but um. You know, because that, like, me, him and I lived together. Uh, we, my first year pro, like, the beginning of the year for like three months, like, you know what I mean? And, uh, uh just, it rocked my world. And, and I was like, man, something needs to be done. And that's where the Pucksport Foundation is, is being created. So, um, and the Gratitude Crusade. And the Gratitude Crusade has been wildly successful. Thank you to everyone that's taken part in this. Um, what it is guys it's 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 all about being grateful because every single day i wake up and i'm like you know what brady there is simply no reason good reason that i can think why i am alive and why others like Lizinski and mitch fadden are not like Derek Bougard. um the way that i was living my life was so destructive and self-destructive and There was times when I intentionally tried to to do that, and I'm still here. Uh, And I don't... I don't know. It's Something had to be done. Puck Support Foundation, go to PuckSupport.com, guys. Check it out. Get involved. It's a developing nonprofit. There's a GoFundMe page set up right now uh, the gratitude crusade. So I, I started the gratitude crusade and I'm about to, I'm about to like ramp this gratitude crusade up even more because I've nominated a bunch of people. I don't think they saw that I did it. Uh, and I'm going to change it a little bit, but originally this was what it was is that it was all about being grateful because it doesn't matter where you are in life. Okay. Especially right now, if you're listening to this, You have headphones or a phone or a car or all three or whatever. Could life be better? Sure. But you're living, you're breathing. What a gift. What a gift. What do we really have to complain about? We can do anything we want. If we change our attitudes, surround ourselves with the right people and just make the right decisions, Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Maybe not in the exact way you want it to be. But, like you know, I don't think I could play in the NHL (laughs) as a player. But if I work hard enough, I know I could get at the NHL as a coach or whatever. That's not even what I want, but I'm just saying. I'm using it as an example. The possibilities are endless you just have to be grateful and positive and that's what the gratitude crusade is all about. So, you know, if you're nominated for the gratitude crusade and you can follow it on Instagram at gratitude crusade and you can follow at puck support and at hockey, to heroin, at hockey to heroin podcast. Um, there's a bunch. So please do, if you're listening, please do. And, you know, I started this and I was like, Hey, you know, I'm, I, I, I know that I sound cheesy sometimes, but I'm being authentic. I, I will say this and I keep saying this. And I used to be like, if someone keeps saying that they're not lying, they're probably fucking lying. Like, why are they, why do they keep, it's like, no, but I'm, I'm, I am so fucking authentic and real. I have no reason to lie. Any stories I tell are not lies. If anything, I would, li- I would have lied to, to make myself not look so fucking bad. I've done some crazy, I made some horrible decisions embarrassing decisions. And I'm going to share these stories today. Um, but the Puck Sport Foundation, guys, to support the hockey community, mental health and addiction issues that are so prevalent that just never seem uh, to end. Every single day, I am getting messages and comments and it just... People are struggling. And we only have heard... About the big names, the NHL guys, and that, those are so tragic. Rick Rippon, Derek Bougard, Wade Belak. There's there's many guys. But there's even more at the minor hockey, junior levels, female hockey, um, and, and not just players. I'm talking coaches. Uh, we we, we want to help parents, hockey parents, coaches, coaches. Uh, refs everything guys if you're in the hockey community that's what this is about and the gratitude crusade the parameters of the gratitude crusade are this if you're nominated you must make a video on social media and in that video you must list three things you're grateful for and then name three people you're grateful for you don't need to tell a story I always do I I try to go into detail a little bit but it's simple you don't even need to give an explanation three things you're grateful for three people you're grateful for and then those three people are nominated to do the same thing and the challenge is to do it for three days so by the end of it it'll be three videos nine people will have been nominated by you and you'll have listed nine things that you're grateful for but you don't have to only let do three every day I nominate even more than that every day because and list more things that I'm grateful for because I have endless things that I'm grateful for and what this does guys is it shifts it shifts your attitude uh, to the attitude of gratitude. And I know you probably heard that, and it sounds cheesy, and I get it. Trust me, I get it. I used to be like, oh, that's a fucking loser saying that. That guy's such a loser. I, like, that was me. I was that guy. Listen to this guy, fucking all high and mighty on himself. Like, what do you think she's... Uh, no, no, no. Uh, like, seriously. I'm telling you this because it's changed me. It's brought me from a point that I wanted to die, and, and, and I was just... Uh, infecting my life and the lives of others and the world on, on a l- pretty large scale with the crimes and shit that I was doing uh, in the communities that I was living in. So I don't care if people want to say things about me and be like, oh, that, that, I don't care. I'm so good with myself today. I am so proud of myself and happy. And I can look at myself in the mirror and, and, and say, I love you to myself. And I can look myself in the eyes. I couldn't do that for a long time. I can go to bed every single night knowing knowing that today I didn't lie, I didn't steal, and I didn't cheat. And you know, those are can you can if you're listening, can you do that? Most people might be like, yeah, that's pretty simple or whatever, but the life that I was living is not, but I, but if you really think about it, I can you go through the life your day without lying. I know a lot of people that lie And I know they're lying, like, when they tell stories. And it's like, you know when you know someone's lying? And it's just like, you feel like, it's like, oh, I almost, like, feel sorry for them. It's just like, why? You know? And uh, I used to lie to get what I wanted. Like, I used to lie to get drugs. Uh, I used to lie to get money from my dad. That sort of stuff. I didn't lie about, you know, stories to to make myself look better. Maybe when I was a kid, I did. Uh, But, you know... um, I just, I can go to bed every single night knowing uh, that I don't have to like cover my tracks or worry that the cops are looking for me and I don't have to worry that I have to go see a drug dealer in the morning or that I'm gonna wake up uh, dope sick. Uh, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it, I'm so grateful. And, and so, because of that, uh, I, I am just eternally grateful. Uh, and I wanted to share that with everybody. So, by doing that, Uh, The switching your attitude to gratitude, it, it really just filters out. And if you stop and you take the time to remind yourself throughout the day, and this is what I do, and again, I've said this, I have an alarm on my phone, and this is no joke, five times a day throughout the day, and this is just when I'm awake, and it says, stop, be grateful, you are alive. And then another one says, stop, be grateful, you're breathing, stop, be grateful, you're looking at a phone right now. You know what I mean? And what that does is it doesn't matter what's happening in that moment throughout the day. uh, It stops me in my track. Maybe I'm having a great day and that alarm goes off and it's like, okay, yeah, this is a great day and I could be even more grateful. Or maybe I'm having a, a hard moment or a hard hour or, you know, I'm in my own head. Maybe I got in a fight with my girlfriend or an argument or I'm not just liking the way my day's going or that hour's going. That alarm goes off and I'm like, shit, damn it, snap out of it. Things could be so much worse. And I'm telling you, it's changed my life. And, and so that's why I started the Gratitude Crusade. Uh, and then it's just all about letting people know that you're grateful for them. And, and I think I need to do a better job to the people that are closer to me. Um, I, I'm very busy uh, with with everything that I'm doing. Uh, and I think, you know, I I do like, like I do, I, I'm a very grateful person and and I tell people like I love them a lot, but I think that there's, there's definitely room, uh, to room to step that up. Yeah. You know, and, uh, it, it makes it very hard to have a bad day. If you're living with the attitude of gratitude, might be have hard moments, but no bad days. That's what I say. And, uh, So that's what it's all about. Uh, I wanted to say thank you to all the donors on the GoFundMe page. I'm going to post a link um, in the description for the podcast uh, to the GoFundMe page. Thank you to everybody that's donated. Uh, I pose a question to people on my social media. Uh, Can you afford $5? Are you going to spend $5 on coffee today? And um, most people can afford $5 some maybe maybe they can't uh, there was a time seriously when I could not afford $5 I didn't even have a bank account or a way to to put a donation on a GoFundMe page um, uh, seriously so maybe not everybody can do it uh, but I would say that the, the vast majority of people listening can afford $5 today uh, and, and what that means is maybe don't get your Starbucks coffee or your Tim Hortons today uh, go without today, be a little less selfish today and give to a great cause like the Puck Support Foundation. And if you don't want to give to the Puck Support Foundation, give to another great cause. Just do a little less for yourself and do a little more for a great cause. There's so many other great causes out there. Trust me, I, I, there's endless areas that need our, our time, our resources, our money. Uh, however, I feel that I can make the biggest contribution right now uh, in the hockey community as far as mental health and addiction goes, uh, and just lending support and, and bringing the community together and, and bringing the, the hard issues to light and, and saying, hey, this shit is going on, uh, so let's let's figure out how we're going to address it and provide uh, these men and women, boys and girls, with the best possible resources and help that they need and that they deserve, you know? Uh especially if you identify as a hockey player and you went through like junior and pro, when that's taken from you or when you have to retire or something, it's so difficult. It is so difficult to transition and and most people will never understand that. It's like, well, just suck it up, uh, you know, boo-hoo. But, you know, there's uh, just remember that everybody deals with everything differently, you know? I used to be so judgmental on the fact that it was like, I'd just be like, you know, suck it up or, you know, get a job like to the addicts, get off the street, like whatever. But, you know, we don't know as people, we don't know what we look across at a person. We see them, but we don't really see them. We don't know what they went through from childhood. We don't know how they deal with their emotions. We don't know how they, if they had trauma or what little things may set them off that might make you laugh. You know what I mean? Like we don't think about these things. So, you know, instead of being quick to judge and getting on people, uh, I challenge everyone listening just to to put yourself uh, in their shoes and just try to see it from their side. Doesn't mean you have to agree with them. That doesn't mean you have to agree with them at all. But whenever you're you're looking at a situation, really just try to be like, okay, so how do you how, like what is that other person thinking or why or whatever? Uh, and that, like I said, you don't have to agree with them, but. It'll make you maybe understand a little bit. And That was taught to me, and that's something that I'm trying to implement in my life. And and again, it, it's fuck, it's it's a, it's a lot. Like it's hard because habits are hard to break. And uh, you know, it, man, it's 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 hard. I know. So, but I'm just little suggestions that were suggested to me that I'm passing on uh, to anybody listening. Uh, if you're listening to um, I just, I just want to say thank you. Like if, if this is your first time, thank you so much. If you've listened before, um, seriously, uh, this podcast has given me so much in such a short period of time. And I owe that to everybody that's listened, everybody that's supported me directly, uh, through the podcast. Uh, and, and I love doing this. I love hockey to and road to recovery because it connected me with the hockey community. But my purpose is simply not this podcast uh, my purpose is the puck support foundation i know it is i'm not qualified to lead the organization not yet maybe one day uh, we're sourcing out people to to find leaders and build our board of directors uh we're developing so this go the money from the gofundMe page it, every dollar raised is going to be in matthew Lezinski's, uh name uh, it's going to go to our account and that money is going to be used to pay for the lawyers, to get us incorporated, for the startup costs, for all of that. Once we have that, once we have ourselves established, it, it's very expensive. I, I am so poor. I am just rebuilding my life. I just got out of jail in November, okay? Um, seven months clean, um, and, and the, the people that are on build, doing this with me, uh, we have professionals we have uh, lawyers and uh, doctors and everything. Uh, I am just a soldier. <laughs> I'm just a soldier for the Bucksport Foundation. I just want to be on the, I want to be in the thick of things, in the trenches um, you know and, and that's it. Uh, I will not be in charge of the money or any of that. I had to start this GoFundMe page because I did not have the money or the resources to, f- to, to pay for the lawyers and do all that. I really tried hard not to do a GoFundMe. I really tried hard not to, I'll be honest, um, and I waited and waited and waited, but I just, I couldn't wait anymore, and, and I've been so, we've been so lucky, we've been so lucky that so many people have stepped up and made great donations right from the, Matthew Leszczynski's mom was our first donation, $200, thank you Nancy, amazing that she's supporting it, like how awesome is that? My dad's donated a bunch. Of, we're almost we're close to two thousand dollars. There's a goal of twenty five thousand. We're gonna need twenty five million. We're not gonna need to raise twenty five million on the GoFundMe page though, but we will need like about twenty five thousand to really get started and to get serious, and then we can go after the government grants and the large donors. Uh, people are reaching out to me every single day, and I feel helpless because there's only so much I can do right now. I want to be able to have a place for these guys to come and get help. These women to go and get help. You know, I want to be able to, you know, two, I I don't have my teeth. Uh, I just got some great news from Rob McDougal, who's one of the most talented artists out there, and especially in the hockey community. Check him out at Rob McDougal Artist on Instagram. He's responsible for for doing the logos. He updated the Puck Sport Foundation logo that was originally done from Jesse Paradise's girlfriend, which was Unbelievable um she did such a great job he just added the gratitude the logo for gratitude that's in the pucksport foundation logo that's what that swirl is yeah, that means gratitude um so rob mcdougall called me yesterday he's like i have somebody i have a friend that wants to step up and give you four thousand dollars to get your teeth fixed because i lost them playing in the whl uh and uh, it's just amazing so rob thank you man uh, another guy messaged me and said he'll pitch in 2000 so that's six thousand dollars to get my teeth fixed And it's my hope that once we get like grants and stuff and we have this money from the PuckSport Foundation, that I will be able to step in with the PuckSport Foundation team and have a division for that. where We have money allotted for people that are struggling, uh, that have played hockey and lost their teeth and are not getting the proper coverage that they deserve so that they can feel better, so that they can go to a job interview or whatever and feel good. Uh, and not only that we connect the players and just bring community. So check it out pucksport.com. Thank you to everybody that's donated. Listen, the $5. Donate $5. We don't need the the $100 donations. Of course they're great. The 200. I've donated $5 twice. I also donated $50. I'm broke. I can't afford to do that. But listen, the hockey community f- cannot afford to see any more tragedies because we're not doing anything. Um and if you want it, if you want us to go in a certain direction, get involved. The door is wide open. Email us team at box T E A M at box Guys, I know I'm kind of all over the place. I'm going to get into the episode, uh, but this episode was probably brought to you by team issue limited team issues, is connecting all walks of life. Team issue does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger, a community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, check them out, teamissued.ca. Use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. Guys, I am always dressed head to toe in team-issued gear. Uh, That's Jesse Paradise I was just talking about, and that's his company. I played with him in the WHL with the Kelowna Rockets. Uh, They have men and women's clothes. They have active wear kids' clothes. Uh, It's unreal. So many different styles of hats and everything. Check it out, guys, teamissued.ca. And remember, promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase um that's just a little bit like that intro went way longer uh than i had anticipated but that's okay that's excuse me that is the that's the beauty of a podcast and um that i just wanted to talk a little bit about the box foundation that is you know the driving force behind everything that that i'm doing and and matthew lazinski and matt thompson uh, Matt Thompson by sharing the story, Matthew Zinski is the is responsible for that. And and so many people are involved in the PuckSport Foundation. So check it out, PucSuport.com, including our chief ambassador Darren McCarty, four time Stanley Cup champion. Um, many others, guys. Check it out. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about my life. Um, just to cue up the episode for tomorrow, episode 50, featuring my dad Brian. Uh and, you know, I have shared a few stories on the podcast and I've also been on other uh, podcasts, uh, been guest, uh, and, you know, shared some stories on there. And uh, I just, you know, doing the podcast, I never wanted to make it about me. This is not about me. It's not about my name or, or anything. Uh, I just felt that, you know, One, I needed to do something to connect with the hockey community. And then once I was able to connect to that hockey community and I was like, wow, this and I was like, hey, this can, you know, I can do this. And I started to get that hope. Um, And I was, uh, you know, just a a clean for a short period of time when I first started the podcast. And I was like, just hanging on for dear life. Um, But uh, once I got connected with the hockey community, I was like, hey, um, you know, we got to do something and uh it's just, it's not about me it's it's about something so much bigger than i could ever be and uh I, i'm just sick of seeing all the tragedies and uh we could talk about it for days and days and days and i could talk but no we need action so thank you to everyone that's donated but like i said uh i'm gonna share a little bit about my story and and uh and just open up a little bit so Uh, like I said I was born on August 21st 1987 I just turned 33 years old um, a couple weeks ago Um, I got tons of gray hair I was born in uh, Burnaby British Columbia at Burnaby General Hospital Uh, I was 10 pounds 5 ounces I was born to my dad Brian and my mom Susan they had uh, a daughter already I have a sister named Brittany who is two years older who we do not speak um, and I'm not going to talk too much about that, but we haven't spoken for, for many of years. And uh, though I do love her and, and think of her and her kids often and hope that one day we, we can patch things up. Um, but uh, my dad, my dad is, uh, like I said, he's, he was a firefighter and, and my mom was a waitress at White Spot. Shout out to White Spot. I love that restaurant. Um, Nat Bailey. Uh, shout out to him. The owner of the Vancouver Giants actually owns uh, White Spot. It's like my fa- one of my favorite restaurants. Um, uh, they moved. Uh, my parents moved to uh, Port Coquillum uh, when I was 11 months old. Uh, my dad actually, uh, his dad passed away when he was 12 years old. His name was Ron Lievold. Um And that's my middle name. My middle name is Ron. My name is Brady Ron Leewold. Um, and uh, I'm so proud and honored uh, to have that name and I and I passed that name that middle name on to to my son Brody as well uh, and that is uh, something some but some that's a man that I've thought about often is my grandpa Ron and he passed away when my dad was 12 and uh, unfortunately my grandma passed away in 2009 and I never got a chance to ask her too too many questions about my grandpa like I wish I would have got to um, however uh she did tell me that it, it did affect my dad and of course he was 12 years old they were they were essentially best friends and uh you know he, might, he was his coach he coached baseball and everything my dad was uh, a hockey goalie and a, and a catcher in baseball uh, a very good ball player uh, my mom was a ball player and an athlete as well too um so they moved out to to pork Coquitlam, which is uh, Port Coquitlam is uh it's located it's about like 27 kilometers east of vancouver uh, located like near on the Fraser River, if you're if you know BC at all, it's, it's beautiful. There's mountains in the backdrop, and uh, essentially when they moved out there, it was kind of like the sticks. It was kind of like in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but the population's doubled since then. Uh, I think right now it's like the 88th largest city uh, in Canada, Port Coquitlam. Uh, there's about 60,000 people living there today. When my parents moved there, there's somewhere around 30,000. Uh, however, it's, it's pretty much uh, part of Vancouver. It's part of the Lower Mainland. Um, it's, uh, it was a great place to, to grow up. Uh, I grew up on the south side of Port Quillum. There's the north side and south side, the epic battles uh, segregated by two high schools. Uh, of course, Port Coquitlam is the hometown of uh, Terry Fox. Uh, if you're Canadian, you don't <laughs> need me to tell you who Terry Fox is. And I'm hoping if you're not Canadian, you know who Terry Fox is as well. Uh, Port Coquitlam is actually uh, widely known, to for uh, another horrible reason. And that's the in Pig Farm. Uh, and just uh tragic and the picked pig farm is uh where uh, there was a lot of um uh, the females bodies recovered uh in um from they were off the streets of vancouver on hastings uh, and surrey where i was homeless and they were brought to this place and, and and killed just terribly um and that is you know why my hometown is really known um but it's, uh, we've, we've been able to get through it and, and the, the community is, is very strong and actually it's funny because my brother-in-law, not my brother-in-law, sorry, my stepbrother is now actually the mayor of Port Coquitlam uh, and he's just done a tremendous job uh, he's only two years older than myself but he was always involved in politics and uh, he's just he's, he's going to do great things it wouldn't surprise me if he'd be the prime minister one day Uh, Honestly, Um, he's he's just uh, he's a class act guy uh, and he's done a great job with pork will. So shout outs to Mayor Brad West. Uh, But, you know, I grew up on on a street called Morrison, 1485 Morrison, guys. And uh, wow, Uh, nice house, family, you know, normal family house that uh, the backyard was big and, and no fence. It was just bush. Just bush, just trees and trails, and it was cool, and uh, provided me lots of fun. Uh, couldn't tell you how many tools of my dad's I le- left back there. We used to have little mini bonfires without my dad. No, I'm sure, you know, I, we, I used to get in so much trouble, man. he was a fireman too. I'd be roasting hot dogs there with my buddies out in the backwoods at like six, seven years old, and um, luckily, uh, nothing ever caught on fire, and uh, we never got hurt, thank God, Um couple things happened that that kind of affected my childhood and uh, in major ways and the first one was uh, my mom moved out uh, just before my fifth birthday and that was a a really hard time I think for all of us for my dad of course and and I never thought about this as a kid Uh, you you don't realize it uh, and I didn't realize it until I, I actually found a letter uh, that he had written my mom after my grandma passed away. And it, me and my sister read it. And it was just so tragic. And, uh, you know, so I think my dad was crushed. My mom left. And, um, uh, you know, I still saw my mom and uh, my mom before I say anything I want to say um, that while I was in jail, incarcerated for the first time, my mom came to see me every single week uh, and brought me money every single week. And, and she really didn't have money. Uh, to be giving me Um, and if you've ever been to jail which maybe probably most of you haven't and i never would have thought i would be there too how do you go from almost in the nhl to spending that much time in jail well you you hear the stories and it it happens but uh, my mom came every single week and she was my rock my dad didn't come for a year he was so disappointed in me he knew i was safe though you know my mom would give him updates Um, but that was the time when i saw my parents together the most was while i was in court uh, and in jail when my dad eventually came to visit me with my mom. Uh, but, um, it, it was, uh, I couldn't have done it without my mom. Uh, and she's been there for me through my addiction and let me live with her several times. Um, and I've, you know, also been, uh, hard on her as well. Um, so I just want to say that my mom, though, yes, she left when I was five. My dad I was with my dad. Honestly, I was with him probably 85, 90% of the time. Um, me and my sister Uh, and my dad was such a great guy holy shit I don't know how he did it I don't know how my dad did it Um, but I did listen I did see my mom Uh, my mom now looking back I I was really angry at my mom uh, all through especially my teenage years I remember like getting drunk Uh, every time I drink uh, I cry and call my mom and that's why I stopped drinking because it was like I'd call her and rip her apart I don't know if I'd still do that I don't drink anymore but Um, now that I've gone through and I'm going to talk about the decisions I've made and and the relationships I've lost. Like my kids, I haven't seen my kids in years. Like I I understand my mom was going through um, things and now I realize that my mom was there a lot more than what I realized. Um, uh, However, there were still some things that that happened that affected me Um, and of course being a young boy, uh, you know, not having their mom for for that love and affection, I think had a big, 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 I think that had a huge part, um, with everything now learning, uh, about opiates on the brain and, and how it affects in certain situations and why and all of that. Um, uh, it makes, it makes sense to me now. Uh, so, um, but you know, my dad, I think my dad wasn't like a, affectionate type he was my dad supported everything i've done gave me rides everywhere always there never missed a game never like he is like my dad's a rock like he's you know what i mean like i just seriously i took my dad for granted i still kind of do i think i need to like totally just realize um and that's something that i'm really starting to to dial in it's like um, the sacrifices my dad made uh, literally he he just he was so selfless like where my mom maybe was, you know, driven by some of her own personal desires and stuff, which I completely understand because I totally got fucking ripped out of the rails way worse than she ever did. So I'm not putting my mind, and it happens. I'm just saying, my dad legit put his life on hold uh, and stepped up and did fucking everything he could. Uh, to be just an unbelievable dad Um, so what happened was my mom left um, and then shortly after that I went to a place called Loon Lake where my family has uh, a fishing resort Um, not like my immediate family but my mom's uh, extended family cousins well my grandpa I guess it'd be my grandpa's uh, first cousin that owns it so uh, I mean my grandpa had been going there since he was uh, a kid and, and all of that like that's how long this had been going on and every Thanksgiving all the family members would go up there because the fishing resort closes for the winter uh, and it's sort of the last hurrah so all the cabins all the campsites are rented out by our only our family members right uh, where before like during the summer and stuff it's like a very popular resort and the cabins are rented it's really nice. Uh, but at Thanksgiving time, it was like a 100 of our family members and whatever. It was really cool. I used to look forward to going up there. Uh, but when I was five, six, seven, I don't know the exact, the exact years, but I'm pretty sure I remember it being the same year that my dad, the first year my dad wasn't there, that he didn't come with us to Loon Lake. Well, anyways, while I was there, I was sexually abused by an older man. Uh, and it happened a few times thereafter Uh, it's very foggy for me uh, but I know um, there's just certain things that I remember about it and I try not to think about it this is something that I'm dealing with but uh there's just certain little things like um there was this the band the ramones and uh this guy lured me to his cabin with this ramones cd i remember he brought it to the cabin i was staying at and then was like oh and played a song was like oh i have more of their albums back here and uh anyways i was really young and uh, uh Trusting and all of that. And and after that happened, I forget exactly what was said or worded. I just remember being scared, confused, and uh, I just not understanding. But shortly thereafter, uh, you know, on the school playground, you start to hear things. You start to learn things. You know, things are confusing. Uh, So you start to hear uh, homeless, homophobic slurs <clears throat> and, and things directed at you, um, boys being boys, that type of thing. Or especially if a girl said it, oh, you're, uh, whatever. And when they would say it to me, I, that would put me and be like, <gasps> they know, like, cause in my mind, I'm not attracted to men. I never have been. And I will just say it, every time I say this, I say it's say it's like Seinfeld. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Like, I have friends who are who are gay and, and I support it 100%. But I'm just... I'm very much attracted to women uh, and always have been. But because I was sexually abused by a man, it, it gave me the understanding that now I was gay. And so not being able to, to really understand what that meant uh, exactly. And, and so, like... I, in my mind, it's like, okay, that happened to you and, and you did that with a guy, so you're gay. And I was like, if people find out about this, I'm fucking fried. Like, my life is over. So I fucking stuffed it. I stuffed that so down. Uh, so now I was, you know, missing my mom, uh, hiding sexual abuse, uh, but in love with hockey, okay? So, um my dad put me on, on skates at a pretty young age. I remember like in kindergarten or just before kindergarten, my sister would be at school and me and my dad would hit the local rink and, and he's got the footage hopefully still. Um, and, you know, I think, I think I was a bit of a natural. Um, I was always one of the best on my team, if not the best on my team, especially at a young age. Um, but that's because I worked hard at it. And I worked hard at it because I liked the way it made me feel. Uh, I didn't have to worry about where my mom was or if she was going to come because, you know, there was times where I was told I was going to my mom's um, and then I would have to stay at my neighbor's. Um, By the way, I'll give a shout out to Bob and Louise Levis, who I got a package from in the mail on my birthday. They sent, Louise sent me cookies. She makes the best cookies. They were our neighbors directly next door. uh, And without them, uh, our family simply wouldn't have been able to do it. Uh, they were like a, a third set of grandparents and, and their their daughter babysat me. I actually tried to slip her the tongue. Um, pretty funny because uh, I was like six years old, five years old and uh, it's not funny. Now that I look back, I, I think it was because of, two what happened to me uh, but also by watching 90210. So I just remember trying to, to make out with her or whatever it was. Um, I'm not sure if I tried anything else uh, but I just remember uh having those feelings of uh, like attractiveness and, and being young, uh so young, uh, but because, you know, I had that other stuff happened to me and I'd been exposed to that, I started having those feelings. But now I was having them towards, you know, of course women and, and that's about stealing my dad's Playboys and, and doing all that. Um and uh, and that became you know, I I became very I became sexually active at a very young age, um, very young age, like grade six. Uh, we were doing things that we should not have been doing, uh, as far as smoking and drinking, like smoking pot and drinking, and uh, going in the bush with groups and and just girls and boys. Just we had a different. Uh, it was uh, interesting, and, and it's tr- just. I don't know if a, a few of us just were misguided and, and it was just a perfect storm, uh, but a lot of those people uh, that were in and around those uh, groups, uh, are a couple of them are no longer with us. Uh, my best friend Connor is on the street, homeless right now, um, and I wish there was something I could do for him. Uh, Talked to him a couple times. seriously severely addicted. Um, but, you know, I, I was just, Really upset, getting back to to Bob and Louise, and confused and all that. But, but hockey uh, was my driving my driving force. But you know, my mom would would not show up, so we'd stay at Bob and Louise's. And then, um, you know, I would think that she was coming to my games, or she wouldn't show up because she had to work or whatever. But as a kid, I wasn't told this. So during the game, I'm not focused on the game. I'm just waiting for her to come through those doors because I'm waiting to see my mom uh and holy shit man whenever my mom came to see me play it was like i played so much better um you know and i just remember she would come in when i was little and she would like hold up her hands like how many goals have you scored did i miss and i'd hold up like two one three one um but you know i think the last time my mom came to see me play i was playing in the east coast hockey league she came for three games i got first star in every single game and uh yeah i just tore it up um i think uh yeah but Uh, it it was just actually it was hard but hockey and just on and off the ice like I I would literally sit in my basement with a stick in my hands and uh, stick out a little golf ball or I'd be on the the front street and I'd be playing like I'd play street hockey with everybody we had such a good group of friends at a young age that were playing and then at an older age man did we have a lights out group that were playing uh, hockey at like underground at IKEA all nights (laughs) all hours of the night like all of us played like junior and pro now um, when I was like 16, we were like 16, 17, 18. That's what we used to do. Party one night and then go play street hockey the other night. It's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, hockey just, you know, I wanted to give a quick shout out uh, to Peter Gordon, um, who was a friend of mine. I think he was five years older than me. He lived up the street for me and he was a goalie. Uh, my dad actually coached him uh when he was in Bantam and I was younger he was the the coach or the goalie for the Bantam AAA team and he was a really good goalie and he was a street hockey guy he shot him at a really young age and he ended up committing suicide shortly after my dad coached him and uh I hope that I can find the picture of me and him and he's all ju- he used to love Ed Belfour, and had all the Ed Belfour gear and all that and uh think that's really where it started you know that was he had moved this peter had moved away and obviously we had lost connection because he got older and i was yeah i'm talking like i was like five and he was like 10 or whatever we just play street hockey 12 and then as he we kind of grew apart right but i remember being at the rink i remember getting to practice with my my dad's team and scoring on him when i was little he just got new pads i'm like nice pads pete and uh but, yeah, like that was the first uh, the first person that I had ever met that uh, committed suicide. And uh, I was just thinking about it. I had actually forgot about it. And I was thinking about it last night. And I wanted to make sure that I was like, wow, you know, I got to remember Peter Gordon, like, because he was my friend. And uh, there's just so many guys. And this was a minor hockey player. I think he was like 16 when he committed suicide. So, um, yeah, it's extremely. Um, it's just hard out there right and just there's not a lot of support and and it just feel like if we can rally the troops in the hockey community and let the players know that there's really a true a sense of support non-judgmental doesn't affect your hockey doesn't has a totally different uh you know what i mean it's just outside of whatever your network is as far as your team and all of that uh you need support outside of it that's what we need to really build here uh, but I grew up in Vancouver and around like that area uh, in the early 90s. Pavel Bure was my idol. Um, <laughs> he, he was so good. Uh, number 10. I wore number 10 always. And uh, so, you know, that's what I did. I, I pretended to be Pavel Bure on my front street when, when nobody else wanted to play street hockey. I was out there by myself. I would run the extension cord with my little ghetto blaster uh, and, and play uh, sometimes the canucks mixtape i remember there was one song about gino ojek gino gino g-i-n-o hockey is his game oh yeah gino gino g-i-n-o so funny um hoping to get gino on the podcast actually Uh, but then you know other songs like hit me with your best shot i can't sing where the shit. but that you know what i mean those were the and I'd be out there pumping away just by myself, pretending to be both teams, uh, you know, doing the commentary, and uh, I was going to play in the NHL, uh, and I was already playing in the NHL on my front street, so it didn't matter. Uh, you know, I remember I got my first pair of roller skates, like the ones with the two wheels in the front, two wheels in the back, um, and then I remember my sister actually got rollerblades for her, real rollerblades for her birthday, and I cried my eyes out because I didn't have any, Then my grandma leave her. The beautiful lady that she was. Uh, she pulled out a box from under the table. It's like, here you go, Braid. And I think I even ended up taking the wheels off my sister's rollerblades and putting them on mine because I wore mine out so quick and she never even wore hers, so it didn't matter. But <coughs> um Yeah, and you know, so I remember too, my dad's a fireman. I just remember the movie Backdrop came out and being so scared every time my dad would go for a night shift day shift I seemed to be okay with um, but was the night shift I was always just so relieved to see my dad uh, in the morning and I don't think he realized it maybe he does I gotta ask him about it on the next episode when he's joining me but um, there were so many times when I wanted to tell my dad what happened to me and uh, I'm curious as to if he can look back and see a change in me around that time Um, but I'm not sure like you know I just I wanted to but I'll tell you what it was the kids on the playground and I'm telling you at a young age the the, the words and, and what was going on in the schoolyard that where I grew up um, it was I think a lot different than most I think it must I don't know man but it was like right from like kindergarten grade one grade two I was hearing those homophobic slurs like you know whatever uh, and I remember because when I first went to school, it was like kindergarten to grade seven or eight, all in one school um, until shortly thereafter. But, you know, it was just, I was so scared. I, I remember I used to go to a few Canucks games with my dad every year. And that was where uh, I wanted, I just felt like I wanted to talk to him always. And I would always just butter him up with a bunch of questions. And that was, and then I was like, I would just keep asking him random questions because in my mind I was thinking about like how I was going to tell, you know. And uh, shortly after, I just learned to stuff it because I was like, man, this can't get out. Uh, Sheldon Kennedy came out with his story, and I was like, wow, well, maybe I can, but I was like, no. So I remember I told my ex-girlfriend in, in grade 8, uh, I tried to tell her, I was like, hey, Natalia, I'm gay. I've shared this before. I'm like, Natalia, I'm gay. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you know, and she's like, you're lying. I'm like, yeah, I am just lying, right? But in my mind, it wasn't gay. It was just... I was trying to explain to her that, am I gay? Because that happened to me. And, uh, you know, I was a pretty angry kid uh, throughout uh, and, and a troubled kid on the ice. Like, very, uh, we're going to talk about it with my dad. I was angry. I remember a um, pretty ungrateful kid for sure. He used to throw a lot of tempers uh, if I didn't get my way. Um, and I swore a lot on the ice. I used words that I didn't understand I think like racial slurs when I was younger that I shouldn't have um, and uh, just caused a lot of problems for my dad um, and I think you know deep down a lot of people could see that you know it was a good kid in there just just dealing with something just something going on and I think most people were like okay, he's just missing his mom or, or that's what's going on and um so that was what it was pinned on. And I'm sure that had something to do with it. But I know deep down, like I know what it was now. And um, it, uh, and my dad was had to deal with it all. He dealt with so much shit. And we're, we're going to talk about that on the next episode. But man, did he put up with a lot of my shit. Um, you know, he never pressured me to play hockey. He coached me. And there was times when he'd be like, hey, we got hockey. We got out of the rink. And I'm like, okay, have fun. See you later. Like, I'm staying here because i got a school dance to go to. Um, and he'd do a lap and then come back in and be like, are you sure? And I'd be like, yeah, see ya. Like, whatever, I'm staying because I was more worried about my girlfriend or whatever. I think I was always trying to get that affection uh, from a girl, uh, you know, that love and affection that, that I was missing. Um, you know, I was still playing hockey. There was a time when I wanted to quit hockey, actually, when I, I quit the U16. I play I never got cut from a team uh, until, I got to, until I was... 15 or 16 and uh but before i got cut uh from the under 16s which i d- i believe i wouldn't have got cut i probably would have made the team i made the under 17s the next year which was uh, would have been a harder team to make uh but i i just was uh, not feeling confident and just you know i pre- pretended to be sick so i quit um so i didn't get drafted in whl so i was lis- listed by swift current the following year um and uh you know, I had braces for, for six years. And then when I went, I went to Swift Current at 16 and I, I signed a contract with them. Uh, I remember driving with my dad and, and I just remember sleeping. And looking back, I wish I could have enjoyed that drive from Calgary. We flew to Calgary and then drove to Swift Current. And I just wish I could take go back and, and enjoy that time instead of just sleeping and, and whatever. Like, I just wish I could, you know, go and just pick my dad's brain and talk hockey and, and get myself in the right place. I a mind frame and just, I don't know, and, and I just, I don't know, maybe there's, there's room for, for teaching our, our next generation of kids at a younger age, implementing some sort of system in place into our hockey programs to teach kids about, you know, talking and sharing and all of that. I'm not sure what the answer is, but I just knew that I was just holding everything in. Um, and, uh, I was nervous and, uh, but I never felt nervous. I never felt like I was letting my dad down as far as hockey goes, not until much later when I was starting to get into drugs. Um, but I, I don't think my dad could ever saw, uh, what, what the, f- what the future was, was holding. And, um, you know, so went through my early teenage years there and i almost quit hockey after the under 16s like i said but i decided to stick it out and and a sh- shout out to uh jeff burrell who was a coach my my 15 year old year midget who just got me to to keep playing i was gonna quit uh, and from there i made the under 17s and, and played my first games of junior b and scored my first game and then i uh, got listed by swift current like i said and made swift current as a 16 year old but got hurt and, and wanted to come back for my girlfriend um and so i played junior b at 16 and got first team all-star mvp of the all-star game rookie of the year uh had a really good year and uh, from there went to swift current and that was my 17 year old year and i got rookie of the year of the swift current Broncos, same trophy as joe sackick but that year was a disaster for me and uh i remember my dad dropping me off at my billets and uh Think this is something that people really need to think about. Is like, w- I don't want to knock my billets at all. My very my my billets, um, my that my seventeen year old year because I actually they're really nice people, um, and they did some some great things. But for my particular case, um, you know, I needed just a little bit more stability, and I think uh, the the organizations can do a better job vetting billets for their particular situations like those billets would have been great for for most guys but you know I ended up leaving that year because I was homesick because of my girlfriend my ex-girlfriend and uh, they brought me back anyways after four days I went home came back still got rookie of the year and you know that summer uh, that girl found out that I cheated on her and uh, that was a huge mistake Uh, I never cheated on anybody since and um, I just it just destroyed me and so I went back to Swiftgern as an eighteen year old, but my mental health was just falling apart. I was just losing it over this girl. I was still battling with everything else. I was getting every opportunity, but and they even traded for my line mate in minor hockey, Ned Lukasovic, who had a five goal game that when he got traded there was he's so talented. He was drafted by LA. Um, he was always better than me. He was like the, the best player on the team and I was usually like the second best or whatever. Um, he's a year older. Uh, so good, so good. Maybe there's not a more talented player I ever played with, actually. Um, but they traded for him, and we we're playing together. And uh, but I just couldn't uh, couldn't get my head around. It. I was like, Nah, I'm fucking out of here. And I packed up my truck and I drove back to Port Coquitlam, and I told Dean Schnauw, who now coaches the Carolina Hurricanes, he's, I said, Trade me to the Vancouver Giants or the Everett Silvertips, I'm not going anywhere else. And when I came back, I started skating with my old junior B team. My dad was so disappointed, I, of course. Um, but then he had to go away. I ended up signing with the Burnaby Express. They gave me some, uh, educational money. I played with Kyle Turris. I've shared this story, uh, who, you know, uh, but then I started doing a lot of ecstasy and a lot of Coke, which actually started happening. Sorry. That summer before I did ecstasy for the first time at Merritt Mount music festival, uh, which is a music festival, country music festival after I graduated high school. And, um, from there I started doing ecstasy every day after that, that summer. So then I went into Swift current. I was coming off the ecstasy. You know, just turned 18, uh, dealing with still some concussions, dealing with uh, hiding the sexual abuse, dealing with my girlfriend finding out that back home or my ex-girlfriend losing it. So I quit, came back, like I said, played with Burnaby uh, and uh, then the Swift Grand Broncos trade me to the Everett Silvertips, the team that I wanted to play for my whole, once they were in the league, uh, my, my password used to be Silvertips on MSN Messenger, um, Silvertips 10 or whatever. And uh, so I get traded to them, and Kevin Constantine, who was a Jack Adams winner, NHL Coach of the Year, calls me, and my dad was away at a conference, and he's like, "Yep, you're gonna be playing with Peter Mueller, Zach Hamill, first two lines, da 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 I'm gonna teach you defense." Uh, they went on to have a really good year. I probably would have got drafted, pro- like second, third, fourth round, maybe, if I w- would have went there and done well. Who knows? Who knows? That's the type of players that were there, and. Um, might have just been what i needed but who, who knows you can't say what it should have could have i decided not to go and i get my friend mike barnes to call kevin constantine pretend to be me and say i'm not coming uh so then my rights went back to swift current i end up doing a lot i start doing coke for the first time new year's eve 2006 um and i do it for the first time and uh after that i started doing it all the time i was doing it at games in between periods while i was playing for the uh, burnaby express and um I remember one time I had a bunch of people coming to watch me play, and I actually slept through the game. I had like 40 people in the stands. And I went for a pregame nap, and I just didn't wake up because uh, I was out partying the night before. Uh, and that's really when the partying started. It was like, oh, this feels good. I don't have to worry about anything else. I don't have to worry about people finding out about all that stuff happening as a kid. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about hockey. Uh, I don't have to worry about the, the girl that I hurt, nothing. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, I just. I missed that game. Uh, the coaches pretty much kicked me off the team unless I wanted to get help. But I got help. Uh, but then I got injured, uh, and they were like, "Keep coming." to So I did well after I got help, but got injured on after a game. It was a freak accident, and uh, they're like, "Yeah, just you know, keep coming to the rink." But the doctor told me I'd probably never skate ever again because I cut my Achilles tendon. So I was like, "Fuck that! I'm not going to the rink every day." So I started partying again, um, and then about mid July. I was like, man, I gotta do something. Or I got, so I got kicked out of my house. And me and my dad are gonna talk about this probably tomorrow, because I was doing drugs and stuff, and they knew something was up. And I remember just wasn't working with him and his, uh, with me and uh, his his wife. And so my dad was like, okay, we'll get our own place, because he didn't knew I had nowhere to go. And I was like, no, dad, you stay here. And uh, I mean, it's been, it's, I'm not gonna lie, it's been, it's been hard since then, still. Uh, but my friend Katie let me move in with her, and and. Uh, then my buddy, Anthony, and I was able to, around July, be like, okay, I got to get back into hockey. Like, I have to. And uh, Dean Chanel, you know, because my rights went back to the Swift Grand Broncos. Uh, Dean Chanel, he's like, yeah, let's go. You can come back, but you're probably not going to make the team, but you can come to training camp. But anyways, I made the team. I was on the fourth line for pretty much the whole year and, um, and, uh, or first half of the year, I say and, uh, then, uh, I'm, i started working my way up, but, uh, by the end of the year, that year, I'd, had gone through some stuff, because I'd started dating a new girl, and I found out that she had been with some other guy, and lied to me about it, and so I went crazy, and started dating this new girl, well, this new girl got pregnant, while I was in Swift Current, and then, uh, I had to leave for the end of the season, because we lost out in playoffs, and, uh, just found out this girl was pregnant, and I went home, and I, I just, I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, well, this is just going to go away. I'm 19, me and the girl weren't together anymore. And I was like, okay, it's just going to go away. Well, it didn't. Um, then then I started got together with my uh, ex, not the one, my high school girlfriend, but the one that I just found out she'd been with someone else, whatever. And well, then she gets pregnant. So I had two girls pregnant at the same time at 19. Now I got to go back to Swift Current. Um, the one girl was like, if you uh, choose that kid, you got to be with, that kid you know you'll never see this kid so i stayed with the one that said that it was a huge mistake um and uh just decided that i was going to cast you know that other kid to the side and it was the worst decision that i ever made in my entire life um and uh it, it really fucked me up uh, from that point forward but i went back to swift current uh, you know, I was telling th- telling people that the kid wasn't mine. That this girl was uh, essentially a, a whore and a slut, which she wasn't. And she's an incredible woman s- to this day. Uh, she's a, she's such as she supported me even when I was mean to her, and when I was in jail. Um, and uh, though I don't have any communication with our, our son, um, and he's uh, got a dad. Um, she has been great to me, and and I'm I'm so thankful for that. Uh, but back then, this was when I was 19, I was a total asshole. I deserved to, like, honestly, I would beat, beat myself. I, I hate myself for it. I, I, I'm trying to forgive myself for the way I treated her and treated this, just not stepped up. Um, but I just have to just accept it and, and just continue doing the right next thing, or the next right thing always. And so I ended up getting traded to the Clona Rockets, and um, I never met that son she ended up having him, and and then I ended up having my daughter uh, Brooklyn uh, in March uh, just before playoffs my 20 year old season in Kelowna and had to fly home or drive home after the last regular season game and then and then have our baby c-section in Brooklyn and then fly up uh, for the awards banquet with with my dad um, to Kelowna or did we drive I think I think we might have drove, drove I'd have to ask him to on the next episode but Uh, and then I started playoffs, Um, and then shortly thereafter, we had another baby, and uh, went home after that season, though, uh, and made the the, uh, wrong decision to ask somebody for uh, coke when we were moving um, my ex, uh, my kid's mother's parents' house. Uh, I asked uh, one of her brothers for a line of coke, and uh, so he, he brought it to me and then uh, he just decided to keep bringing it to me uh, every single day. And I mean, there was times when I asked him too, but then there was times when I didn't ask him and I wasn't even having to pay for it or nothing. Um, and then I signed with uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning System and wasn't training and doing all that. And if you want to know more about that, there's a Sportsnet article about uh, what happened at, at that time. Uh, that camp with steve stamkos and and that's what happened i was doing coke every day up until then not training this guy was just bringing me cocaine bringing me cocaine bringing me cocaine it was like holy fuck i couldn't stop it was nuts staying up all night uh sweating like tweaking out it was just a fucking nightmare i can't even excuse my language but it is so i just i I could just go crazy thinking about it uh and then finally i left to go play and then that's when i blew my knee out uh, and then came home and and started the same pattern uh but then he's like uh if you can't sleep here just try one of these and uh that's how the oxy started and then shortly after that i was i was prescribed them too and um but i mean i had done them uh beforehand Uh, i just didn't think it was going to happen to me i didn't think it was going to take me uh from from uh you know who i was to a shell of who i was but i'll tell you what the very first time i snorted an oxy mil- I, I the very first time i did it, i snorted an oxy mil- uh, 80 milligram pill uh, and i puked my brains out and i just remember thinking this feels awesome because i didn't have to think about the kid i wasn't seeing i didn't have to think about being sexually abused i didn't think i have to think about the stress that i wasn't training for hockey nothing um so i just kept doing it and doing it. it felt great and then when you stop doing it it's like nope nope um so it's uh it's interesting uh but listen this is uh it's been going on for for quite a while here uh i haven't even been i haven't even realized that i've been talking this long um but uh yeah it's um it's been fun i um, just talking and, and kind of all over the place. Um, it's a little bit about my story. Um, I'm going to finish and add things in, in as I go back and listen to this one. And, and then me and my dad can kind of fill in the gaps because um, the story from here on out, um, you know, uh, is really where it starts to get rocky. And I think there's a lot of things um, that my dad doesn't even know. Um, that maybe he wants to ask. Uh, And I'm going to tell him the truth because there was times when, there was a year when my dad gave me over $100,000 in e-transfers because I was calling him with excuses, telling him I was held hostage or whatever. And sometimes I was. There was times when I was held held hostage. There was times when I was shot at. There was times uh, there was real shit. I was doing real shit and in the thick of things too. Um, But there was also times when I lied and took advantage of it. Uh, but then after when my dad cut me off, that's really when my life, uh, when I hit the streets, uh, that my life really took a, a spiral out of control. That was just insane, insane. And that's what we're going to talk about on episode 50. Uh, and if anybody has any questions at all from this episode, please, please email me, brady at pucksupport.com or bradylebowl at hockey I'm Trying to merge one, make it shorter. Um, or you can comment, uh, anywhere, Twitter, Instagram, uh, on the, on the post or the picture, or of course, Facebook. Um, there's lots that I didn't get to. There's still three pages of notes that I didn't get to. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of layers. Um, but I hope that I've let you in a little glimpse, uh, into a, into my life and and I I plan on on sharing more Um, and it's my hope that my dad comes on and uh, is not scared Uh, is not scared to to put me on blast or to share what what he has done maybe uh, maybe he feels that he made some mistakes with enabling me but how do you how do you not when when your son's calling with with the calls that I was making and you know maybe he feels like he should have caught something at an earlier age or maybe he should have done but that's not what this is about my dad did everything he could for me holy shit uh with what he had uh and sometimes it was very little i wanted to share a story about when i was in grade 5 there was a there was a hockey school in uh, Porcoquil I'm at the home rink Shout outs to uh, the Poco Rec Center and, and all the people that have ever worked there, especially the ice crew because they have the best ice other than Swift current. Uh, but I just love Poco especially Poco Blue uh, or the new Poco new they call it Poco Blue now. Uh, but yeah it's uh, shout outs to that rink. that's yeah, where it that's where it all started right um, <clears throat> But yeah there was a, there was a hockey school. Uh, It was a pro D-day, professional day, no school on a Friday. Um, And there's a hockey school down at the Pogo Rec Center run by Aaron Janelle, who was drafted by the Washington Capitals and works as an NHL scout, I believe, or if he isn't, he was. Um, And I remember seeing this at the rink and being like, wow, this is my shot. This guy, this guy played in the NHL. He needs to see me, I need to get on this ice. And I remember it was twenty bucks or something. Um, and I wanted to go so bad and, and my dad didn't have the twenty bucks. Uh seriously, he just that's how tight sometimes we we're on money. I remember he I remember he, he got the twenty bucks. He's like, This is my last twenty bucks, I I hope it's worth it and I just remember feeling so bad. Um but in my mind, I was like, this is, I, I didn't understand that it would, this guy wasn't going to do anything for me, wasn't going to remember who I was after that. But in my mind, I was like, this was my ticket to the NHL. There was no major junior teams around, there was no nothing. This was like, okay, I'm going to be face to face with somebody that can get me in. Um, and, and nothing would have stopped me at that age because it was just my driving force. When I was on the ice, I didn't have to think about what that guy did to me, uh, I didn't have to think about anything else. Uh, all I had to think about was was hearing that ice, feeling that, that cold air on my face, the puck on my stick. Oh, I love stick handling. I just loved it. Um, and it was just my, it was just my paradise. And uh, my dad did everything he could to give me that opportunity to provide me with the best equipment. Remember the Nike skates he had to get me for Christmas one year? I couldn't fucking skate in them because they were so heavy, but I had five goals my first game in them in some Adam a tournament. Oh my god, it was so funny uh, with the matching Nike orange stick. Uh, but you know, I I don't know how my dad did it, but he did it, um, and he did it to the best of his ability and a hell of a lot better than than I think <laughs> most men could have done on their own. And Dad, I love you so much, and for that I am ever grateful. Mom. You know what you made some mistakes too uh, but you know what i forgive you 100 percent and i realize now that the mistakes you made were really not that bad uh and that you actually I have a lot of great memories with you mom as well you took me fishing and and, do, and a lot of great times with you and uh, i cherish those memories as well and and for that mom i'm sorry that i made you feel bad uh i didn't realize um what life entailed and, and how things happened and uh, what I really didn't realize is, is how much time I really did spend with you. Uh, but, but really, at the end of the day, I was with, with my dad the majority of the time, uh, and he just gave me and my sister such a wonderful childhood and provided us with every opportunity to succeed and do everything that we wanted to do. And uh, dad, I love you, and I'm looking forward to uh, having you on, uh, on episode 50. Uh, I'm not sure you ever thought, that I was going to make it I've arrived episode 50 is here I can't believe it <laughs> crazy halfway to 100 I'm going to keep going thank you to everybody who's listened not only to this episode but to every single episode that's come out I know I have some some listeners that that look forward to listening and and To that, I'm grateful, and it it helps me get out of bed every single day in the morning. I have many reasons to, uh, but that is certainly one of them. If you're struggling, please, please reach out to somebody. If it's not to me, reach out to somebody. There's a lot of great people out there. There's a lot of good help out there. I know that there's not a ton of support in the hockey community, but don't worry. The Puck Support Foundation's coming. We're kicking down doors. Get involved. We want you to get involved. We need you to get involved. If you want to donate to the Gratitude Crusade, please find us on the GoFundMe page. I'm going to post the link uh, in the description. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Hockey2Heroine, at hockey 2 Podcast, at Puck Support, uh, and at Gratitude Crusade. Be sure to check out the Hockey Podcast Network and, of course, Team Issued. Wherever you're listening, please, please take the time to rate and review and subscribe. I'm also on YouTube. Every episode has now been uploaded to YouTube. Uh, we're switching to 100% video podcasting all the time uh, going forward here once the studio gets set up and I can get some better equipment. But again, it's all a work in progress, uh, one step at a time. Uh, stay tuned for details on the PuckSport Foundation three-on-three tournament. Uh, pond hockey tournament up here in Muskoka. Uh, got permission from the township. Woo! What's up? It's happening. Uh, so excited for everything that's going on. Um, seriously, guys, there's no words. Uh, sometimes, a lot of the time, I repeat myself. I'm just not that smart. My vocabulary is not that grand. So I have to just sometimes say thank you. Thank you thank you seriously Um, not too long ago I just wanted to fucking die man I had I just felt like there was no hope that is no longer the case I have nothing but hope I have so much energy and so many goals I can't do it alone, I don't wanna do it alone. Get involved. If you or you know someone's struggling, reach out. I'm here, I do my best to try to connect with everybody. Um, But like I said, we're building the team so that we can connect with everybody uh, and give the people that they help, or sorry, the help that people need and deserve. Uh, What are you grateful for today? Have you told the people that are, you know, part of your life and make your day your everyday better have you told them lately that's what I'm gonna do when I when I get off when I press stop stop recording I'm gonna call my girlfriend right now and tell her I love her because I don't do that enough and even if I did it a hundred times a day I don't think it's enough life is a gift the people around us are a gift cherish it and remember Have a great day, if you so choose.